and welcome to the next episode of Research VR, where we dig deep into the virtual reality ecosystem. We are right now at the VR Hackathon, B2B VR Hackathon to be more precise, in Brussels, in Europe. If you don't know what Brussels is, Google it, it's actually the main city of the European Union. And together with me, Peter Lekov, there is also Krzysztof Zdebski. Hello, it's nice that you pronounce my name correctly. Yeah, first it's time of the history of the podcast. But it's not just us talking, we have today a wonderful guest, Thomas. Hello. Yeah, but nice we guy. actually need to pro you to pronounce your last name oh, by yeah, yourself. Yeah. It's uh, Thomas van Bauel. Yeah, it's very Flemish. <laughs> yeah. Now, we met Thomas actually on a different hackathon in Stuttgart in Germany. But we also, by coincidence, met today and we just decided we'll grab him and record something. All right? Perfect, yeah. I was actually having Thomas on the pipeline for a longer time, but yes. recording over <laughs> Skype is so tedious that it's hard to convince ourselves to do it. So Absolutely. This is true. This is fate. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Now, maybe you could tell a little bit more about your background, Thomas. Absolutely. Um, so I have a background in architecture. I studied the engineering architecture here in Belgium, uh, and I've worked as an architect for three and a half years. But I've always had a, a very strong interest in, in technology and how it could be used to help involve people in the design process. And so for the last year and a half, um, I've been sort of independently researching how virtual reality can be used to involve end users in the design process. Um, and for the last half year, I've been doing a lot of hackathons and game jams to sort of test out ideas in this space, um, uh, just to externalize uh, certain concepts that I had. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what I'm working on now. Very interesting. So tell us more about the importance of virtual reality for architecture. So you've been working about on it for a longer time. You've experimented yourself. I've seen some of your ideas on the Instagram. You have very good videos explaining what you're doing. So tell us why virtual reality is needed. Right. Um, so if you look at uh, virtual reality projects in architecture now, uh, many of the projects uh, focus more on the final stages of the design process, namely when buildings are already built and you want to communicate that to clients who want to buy them, so more uh, nice architectural visualizations, which is a very good fit for, um, for where VR is now. But in my opinion, um, the real potential of VR in architecture comes early on in the design stage, when the main decisions that need to be made about a building or about a public space still uh, need to be made. And this would be the ideal time to involve citizens to get their feedback on the ideas that are being presented. And uh, why virtual reality is such a good medium for that is that, of course, it can help communicate uh, complex ideas in a way that's more understandable for people who don't have a background in architecture or formal training in, in urban design or something like that. Because it um, doesn't force them to look at abstract 2D plans or over-idealized um, renderings but it just puts them in their shoes as a first-person user in a virtual environment. Um, and for me, the, the real potential of that is you can just, you don't have to ask them their opinion on um, some architectural concept, you can just ask them to uh, emulate their user experience in mm -hmm. uh, virtual design, and then you can observe that and learn from that as an architect and improve your design. Really so, so how would you imagine it? Um, on the one side, you could have a god mode where you look from above the whole design, but on the other, you mentioned yourself that you could put yourself in the shoes of the pedestrian that would walk around this architectural design. So now, how would you imagine your application? Because from the demos I shown, I saw on the last hackathon that we were working on, we were starting from the god mode. Right. Um, so specifically, uh, the project you mentioned is um, Design Space Analytics, which um, Initially, it was a, a hackathon project um, I did in, 
during the AEC Hackathon in London, um, which was the uh, end of July. Um, and this was uh, this sort of God Mode project, as you described it. Mm -hmm. So this was an application for the HTC Vive, or rather like a proof of concept for an application for the HTC Vive, specifically geared towards architects, and um, being a sort of tool that they could use to prototype early design concepts in virtual reality. So it was a tool where you could load in uh, an existing 3D model and put it to scale on a virtual table in front of you, um, and then sort of start messing around with it, start drawing um, concepts on it, or uh, putting uh, basic volumetric studies, do basic uh, shadowing studies, things like that. But then we used that as a basis for uh, a next hackathon, which was the VR hackathon in Stuttgart, where uh, I met you guys. Yeah. Um, and basically we used this basis to try uh, an analytics concept. So there were two applications in that. You had, let's say, the administrative application, which was design space, which is used by the architects. Um, but then you had um, an end-user application for the Gear VR, which was a much simpler version of this, uh, where you could just walk around the 3D model as a first-person, from a first-person mm -hmm. view, as a as a sort of emulation of uh, an end-user's experience. And then where people would walk and where they would look would be recorded and sent to this administrative uh, application, design space, which could then be used by architects to review all this data and visualize where people walk and where they look. So you can um, get an idea of how people would uh, behave in this, uh, the design of a space. Mm -hmm. uh, the example we had um, during the hackathon was this uh, sort of fictional public space. And so ideally you could ask everybody from the neighborhoods uh, to walk around in it virtually. And then the architects could get all this data and start visualizing it in their uh, own application to better understand uh, how people behave in their designs. And, you know, maybe get some conclusions out of that uh, about what things they could improve. Okay, yeah. so how? Yeah. Um, just as a side question, um, usually when you read about products for architects uh, in the VR space, it's more like presenting it to the client. As far as I understand, you really are focusing rather on the process of designing it, right? So it's rather supporting the architect and not the typical sales project, right? Yes, that's true. I mean, it's. It's a very complicated question, that because it's the way the design process works today, often. Um, there's not always a, a clear place where you actually communicate with the end users. So it really depends on the project. If you're designing something like uh, your personal home, of course, the client and the end user is the same person. So um, then VR uh, makes a lot of sense because you get feedback from them. But many times, um, if you have a, a public housing block or something like this, or uh, for many public projects, the client doesn't necessarily line up with the actual end users, the people who will be affected by a building mm -hmm. or use it in a daily, uh, um, on a daily basis. Um, so there, getting those people involved can be a bit trickier because it's not necessarily uh, a part of the design process today. It really depends project to project. Um, there are many urban design projects where uh, public involvement is a key factor. Mm -hmm. But then how to do that effectively is, is still a question. So how is it done today? Before people start using virtual reality, how are the end users involved in the urban design where it's crucial? Well, um, so sometimes you do a participation projects. So you have specific, um, how do you say, teams that are specialized in that. And so they mm -hmm. do um, questionnaires around neighborhoods uh, and ask uh, people's opinions about where they live, what they want to see improved. Um, you okay. have sometimes events where uh, um, plans are presented to neighborhoods uh, mm -hmm. and then people can come and give their opinions. I mean, obviously there are challenges there too, like how do you get people to properly understand the design? 
um, how do you get enough people to show up and uh, uh, a diverse enough representation of the people from a neighborhood mm -hmm. to get their opinion. Um, so those are all challenging things that can be maybe helped with technology like virtual reality. Okay, so is the part of your job or the future job that you would like to do is yes. getting those people or you want to focus on the software itself? Um, so, since I said it's not um, very evident how you would, uh, in how, sorry, <laughs> so how um, the design process works today, uh, fitting in uh, this sort of user testing uh, cycle, it's not very evident. So I think it's very important to build the tools to allow this to happen, but then also find mm -hmm. sort of pilot projects to uh, exemplify how this could help a project. Like you really need to demonstrate uh, and learn what the benefits of it can be to then show the value of it to other architects and urban designers uh, so okay. that they also, or that their clients especially, start um, demanding that for their projects. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting. Now, um, you also, as you mentioned, had these awesome videos on Instagram, right? And actually, people watch them, right? And that's how you ended up in... Oh, yes. So I recently started uh, working for a startup in New York called Inside VR. So they're, uh, so I'm really stoked to be working there because they're basically building um, tools to convert 3D models into VR models and then building um, tools on top of that to help the architects communicate and collaborate with third parties. So mainly now they're focusing on um, the architect-client communication. But what I'm really excited about is that these tools can really uh, evolve into a toolset that can be used for a, a variety of types of projects. And uh, mm -hmm. it can later maybe also be used to communicate with um, uh, bigger scale neighborhoods for urban design projects uh, and public projects. So. Next design question. Sure. I like design. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Especially as a whole picture of the user experience, not just the interface. So, we discussed today a different forms of multiplayer. On the one hand, you can have multiple people using the vibes in different places or even in the same tracking space. Yeah. On the other hand, you can have a public watching what one person is doing. But there is also a third option that you apparently are working right now uh, for a game where you have one person in the vibe and then more people interacting with him through the other interfaces like the mouse and keyboard. Yes, there's a, a lot of opportunities there, um, especially if you at first um, want to guide people through an experience or through uh, design, let's say. Um, then having uh, tools on your PC to help them guide them uh, can actually be a way of, of doing that. Um, I'm not sure how much I can talk about the mm -hmm. product uh, of the company where I'm working at, okay. so I'm gonna. I mean, this is something we have to cut out later on, but I'll let you guys know I'll ask my boss. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, probably it's fine. Um, Let's still ask him. It's yeah, startup, still, yeah, but ask. It's probably, yeah, there's some non-disclosure stuff. Mm -hmm. um, okay. <laughs> um, so, at Inside VR, where I'm working, um, that's actually uh, the core product that they have now. Um, it's this asymmetrical product where you put, the architect takes their laptop to a client, mm -hmm. and you give the client a Gear VR, and they can mm -hmm. walk around and look around in a building and in 360 renders. And the architect can actually follow along on the PC. Mm -hmm. And if they want to indicate something in the space, they can sort of point a laser pointer and so the client can see it. You can sort of guide them through the experience. Um, and there's also functionality uh, that lets you take annotations on top of it. So when the client is saying things, you can, as the architect, say, okay, I have to fix this, I have to change that. Okay. So, yeah, it's really so you basically sort of have a whole tool chain that is not just, you know, 
putting a client in some 3D world exactly. and he interacts, but actually want to make sure mm -hmm. that everything that is happening there is actually usefully meant, like exactly. whether it's with your s secret prototyping and some kind of <laughs> protocols that you're doing there or the laser pointers or whatever, yes. you basically want to make sure that like the core essence of the, of the meeting is not just, oh yeah, it's an awesome building, yeah, we'll spend yeah. another million on it, but yes. more like, yeah, actually I want to have this changed, I want to have that changed, and you can actually... You exactly, know. what you're really pushing is uh, to go beyond virtual reality as a sort of showcase tool for architects mm -hmm. and rather have it be a real tool for design and for communication mm -hmm. and like the tools that they are building on top of their 3D visualization, their VR visualization I mean, is really allowing this um, a more productive form of meeting with your client. Not only because of these tools but because it's in VR, yeah. their feedback will probably be also more pertinent. Okay. More correct, uh, so. We discussed today a similar situation with some other company down here on the hackathon and they said that the big problem right now when you meet a customer and you give him the headset is that you don't see their emotions anymore you don't see their face expressions how do you relate to that information so you as an architect you go to a customer and you get his feedback but you get only what he tells you yeah. instead of the whole body language or the face language sure, yeah. is that also a problem for you as the architects um, community I think for any not even just for architecture but for any design process where you want to get feedback, it's very important to be able to properly interpret that feedback. That's, I think, already a skill set that a good architect should have. When somebody says something, mm -hmm. what do they really mean? Hopefully, they're very truthful, but uh, sometimes you need to read between the lines. So, um, In terms of reading their emotions, I'm not sure. It, it's going to be influenced by whether the architect is there or not. Uh, I imagine mm -hmm. how people maybe reserve their emotions a bit uh, or express it freely. Okay. Maybe that will be more correct to measure those when people are trying um, out uh, or building design at their own home without mm -hmm. you click there. But then maybe uh, then it's very important also to be very open and clear about the fact that you're gathering this type of data because mm -hmm. well, you get in a bit of a creepy territory there maybe. <laughs> so going on with the measurements um, how interesting would it be for the situation like this where you go to a customer and you get his feedback to also get behavioral data so like yes. where he was looking so the things that you were working on and yes. beyond so unity analytics provides tools there is cognitive vr there is probably a bunch of other startups doing some sort of analytics vr how useful and why would it be useful for architects so this is a very interesting question um and the, the difficult part of it is that the usefulness of it is, on my part, speculation. Because, mm -hmm. in effect, we need to understand a lot about what we can learn from analytics in architecture uh, to improve our designs. So, mm -hmm. there's potential to learn a whole lot of things. Um, but the problem is that using analytics in architecture is very new. Um, and there is um, still a challenge in knowing what you can interpret as real feedback and what you have to assign as a sort of fault to the quality of the visualization or of the simulation. Okay. Because obviously, simulating an architectural space, the, the space that you experience in virtual reality, comes closer to the real experience, but it's obviously not perfect. Mm -hmm. And so you need to know how you can account for the faults in this, right? Mm -hmm. If somebody gets lost in my virtual design, is this because of a design error that I need to fix? Or is this because of uh, something that's lacking in the technology or in the visualization? Because maybe okay. I'm in an early stage of design and there's not a lot of details, so there's not enough, uh, not enough visual cues for people to uh, guide themselves through the building. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that 
only through our experimentation, I think we can better understand. And so the first time we use our analytics in architecture or in design to virtual reality, this is going to be an exercise that needs to happen. Yeah. But the more we do it, the more data we're going to have on this and the better we're going to understand it. And the better we understand it, the more effectively we can start using virtual reality for user mm -hmm. testing to actually impact the design process. Now, we wouldn't be research VR if you wouldn't ask this obvious question. Is there some research on it? Um, <laughs> so I'm sure there is. Uh, so virtual reality, um, there's obviously this sort of new wave going on. Uh, yes, definitely. But uh, as we all know, um, virtual reality has been around for way longer. Um, and yeah, in academica, um, academia um, uh, and architecture, this has been a big topic also. Um, are you, aware, to, are you yes. aware of any cases where it actually been used meaningful before the new wave of VR, like so, caves? Um, or, oh, you mean so, VR for architecture or yeah, yeah, behavioral measurements no. in so, VR? Both, but, but rather VR for architecture. VR for architecture has been um, used a lot. Um, so I did actually prepare a, um, a PhD proposal uh, last year. So I dove in a bit into what kind of research there was. Um, there has been uh, quite a lot of research to understand this sort of um, difference of perception in virtual reality um, and uh, real life, let's say. But uh, from what I've read, and I need to read a whole lot more, um, there's not really like a clear conclusion or like clear list of guidelines that has come out yet. Like, okay, if you visualize something in VR, then you have to take into account these and these and these differences. Um, Actually, I've came across studies suggesting that you're underestimating the scale of virtual reality by 10%. Okay. Like yeah. you're underestimating the distance to the objects in virtual reality by 10% with yeah. the headsets already, with the new headsets. That's very interesting. Okay. Now we have to link to it. Yes, I will yes. try to dig it out again. You'll have to send it to me too. I'm very interested. Yeah. Uh, so that's the thing. Like, I think once you understand the faults, I wonder to what extent you can also take it into account. If somebody says, mm -hmm. or if you do, especially the nice thing about analytics is that you can do it with a lot of people. So when you have a lot yeah. of data, you can start correcting maybe, um, air quotes, mm -hmm. um, the, the errors in it. So if a lot of people say this space feels small, then you can say, okay, with maybe 90% of accuracy, this um, judgment is correct because of this uh, yeah. error that's in there. So understand, understanding the errors means also that you can maybe start interpreting feedback in uh, mm -hmm. with more accuracy. What's all, what else is on my mind? So um, I've been learning a lot about the VR community and people are very excited about what it can do in various industries. For example? I'm, um, well, especially in architecture, of course. <laughs> oh, what well, is your bias there? But it, of course, but uh, the thing is that um, we are very uh, excited about it as a tech community. I hope that in the future um, we'll be able to wheel in architects and other, um, how to say, disciplines in it and get them excited about it too. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just about the developers, it's about getting people in the field uh, interested in also being early adopters and being mm -hmm. open to experimental approaches uh, in involving VR in the design process. So now the question for early adopters, you as a representative of early adopters, what so. is the rev level of realism you need sure. in architectural applications? So what we've saw, uh, what I saw in your previous application that we saw in Stuttgart yes. was just a non-colored model mm -hmm. with some trees that might have been colored, there was some green yeah, color yeah. in there, but sure. it was just a Abstract, model right? with no textures. So yeah, this is uh, also like one of the interesting questions that needs to be um, resolved during doing a lot of research and 
trying out a lot of cases. Um, because you need to strike the good balance between um, not going too deep into detail, uh, because if you need to go too deep into detail in your 3D models, that means that when you do user tests, you find errors and you need to correct them. Each time you correct them, this sort of iterative process is going mm -hmm. to take way too long. Mm. So you want to be able to stay abstract. And another reason for that is, um, of course, you're not when you're going to do user tests, you don't want to go talking about small details like this texture or this little mm. detail. Um, you want to talk about the big concepts, like you want to talk about the functional um, workings of the building and if that's mm -hmm. if your assumptions there are correct. Um, so staying abstract is also a big part of that. Like if an architect goes to talk with a client for the first time, mm -hmm. he's probably not going to show a finished render, he's going to show uh, an abstract sketch because mm -hmm. you want to talk about big ideas and not uh, little details, right? Um, so there's a balance between that and of course users being able to understand mm -hmm. um, the building well enough so that their behavior in it um, comes close enough to what their behavior would be in the, the real building. Speaking about behavior, what about interaction? How yes. many or what sort of interactions have to be implemented in such a demonstration, such a demo, when you go to a customer? That's a very good question. Um, I guess it really depends on the type of building you're making, because you might, for just, a, for, um, just an apartment building or just a house, um, you don't need to you could go very deep into interactions like opening doors or opening kitchen cabinets, but for the personal experience, you don't need to do that much because you can sort of role play, let's say, mm -hmm. what you would do in certain spaces. Um, if you would, for example, uh, emulate a, an airport, you can maybe simulate crowds and then have people try to find um, gates or something like this. Mm -hmm. So, like, you could go very deep into um, interaction with the building itself, but oftentimes this might not be necessary. Um, okay. Because the main thing you want to test is can people find their way and uh, do people understand the building? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's a satisfactory um, answer. What do you think about the current state of VR equipment, VR ecosystem? Like you're trying to battle one specific right. area with architects who are, I guess, they love technology, they have to use it for designing the houses. They wouldn't necessarily perceive them as the ones to adopt the newest trends all the time, right? It's, they're a little bit more right. conservative there. And um, yeah. what, what, what do you think about it? Yeah, um, I mean, for sure, you have some offices that will be a bit more excited and experimental about these technologies, but um, I mean, of course, architecture is a field that exists for a very long time, um, and um, the, the processes that these offices adopt uh, are sometimes very rigid. Uh, but they are sort of changing, and um, I do think that uh, the headsets that are on the market now can already be of value for architects. Um, of course, it's going to improve a lot, um, but I think something like the HTC Vive is when design tools for architects uh, become, um, let's say, more detailed and more usable, <laughs> um, then this is something that can really work in, uh, let's say, a meeting room of an architecture office. Mm -hmm. In the long term, I'm sure that uh, tools for architects will gravitate more to mixed um, reality interfaces like uh, the Magic Leap or the um, HoloLens, HoloLens from Microsoft, of course. And because, meta. of course, oh, and, and meta. meta, yes, yes, let's not forget. And because uh, then you can really mix the work environment with the work that you're doing in, uh, in this uh, virtual space. Very interesting. Um, is there anything oh. left to say to quote Kimpai? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Oh well, <laughs> no. Maybe you could also maybe just, quick, just yeah. to elaborate on one last thing there. Um, I think that mixed reality is going to be a big thing because collaboration between architects and between other parties mm. that work with them is also very important. So. To be able to see the same 3D model mm -hmm. uh, in the same space is going to be a very... And then do interactions with it, sketch on it, uh, modify it. Um, that's going to be very, very important for it. Is the technology of mixed rea reality that Upload is doing right now already interesting for architects? Oh. So on the big screen, I see you inside that new building, but you are wearing so headsets seeing the first-person perspective. I don't think um, so to communicate uh, what buildings are going to feel like, uh, it's not going to help a lot because what you see is a flat 2D mm -hmm. screen. But to make or help architects understand um, what VR is and what it can do for the design process, mm -hmm. um, it might be a powerful tool. Mm -hmm. So to get architects on board on the importance of VR as a design tool, okay. uh, that might be uh, very interesting. What about substituting the laptop that you mentioned? So you mentioned in the beginning, yeah, I coming, I'm coming with the laptop to my customer, and sure. then I'm giving him Gear VR, and then he's happily moving into virtual reality. I can do some laser pointing from the laptop. Yeah. What if I can see the user in virtual reality from the third-person perspective? Oh yeah, well, if you can join the user in VR, that's obviously that would obviously very be very interesting, um, and that's of course possible, I guess, uh, just to gear VRs and network them. You do sometimes want to have a bit more dexterity, let's say, um, mm -hmm. when you're taking notes, when you're uh, directing the experience for the, the user, and maybe current interfaces for VR headsets, at least for the very mobile options, yeah. like gear VR. They're very limited. Um, they're very limited. So you want maybe have the dexterity to uh, properly guide the experience for okay. your client. Um, but yeah, in the future, that might definitely be uh, very interesting. Especially you can still think of um, the architect being in something like the HTC Vive, and then the clients or maybe uh, people from the neighborhood who are trying it out are sort of in there with a, a lower fidelity headset like the Gear VR. Um, the sort of mm -hmm. asymmetry can work where you give um, architects more tools to sort of guide the experience or interpret the data or uh, observe different users. What's your goal with virtual reality? Right. Um, so my goal with it is really, I hope that it can help democratize uh, the design of cities or how cities are designed. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, um, I hope it can help involve more people in the design process of uh, their neighborhoods. Sometimes I imagine it can feel very distant to some people like, okay, the neighborhood is changing, but all I can do is react to it uh, and not participate in it. And I mean, to be fair, it's, it's very hard to effectively involve people, but VR can really be a tool, almost like a translator between designers and neighborhoods, so that they can work together uh, more efficiently. Uh, could you imagine a case where it could address like gentrification with VR? Oh, well, gentrification is, is a, a complex phenomenon, I guess. Uh, that's, that's maybe more a, a question left to urbanists. Um, uh, you need to really understand like the impact of um, certain urban renewal projects uh, and how it's going to affect existing uh, communities. That's, I mean, it's it's a it's yeah, it's a complex issue. Um, it's definitely so when you do urban renewal projects, um, involving the existing um, population is very very important, um, and there it can help note when like the renewal is sort of missing what the community that exists really needs um, to avoid that they get pushed out by whatever it is, but of course, yeah. If it can help give people a voice in that process, then it might help. Yes. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was a great occasion to meet you and finally yeah, record the podcast again. with you. Absolutely. Another check on our list. Do you have anything nice. more to add? How can people reach you? Um, okay, you can uh, send me an email on um, vam.bowel.thomas at gmail.com. That's it V-A-N. will be noted down. Yeah, that might be. It's a very Flemish name. So, uh, but you're also reachable on Twitter. Yeah, it's the same name though. So, uh, yes, yeah. we'll have it in the show notes. Okay, great. Exactly. Thank you so much, guys. Now, uh, with the end note, uh, we would like to remind you that we are on iTunes. You can rate us there. If you give us five stars, we'll be very, very happy. You can also subscribe via RSS on our website, uh, the researchvr.prodigy.io. We also upload our episodes to the SoundCloud, where you can also subscribe to it or listen to it. And usually you can also download the episodes. Said that, I would say... Hear you next time. Hear you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.